Father, thank you. Thank you that you want to communicate with us and that you want to reveal yourself to us. That's, that's what we recognize as we look at this story in Bethlehem, that, that God wants to be known and God wants to be near us. We ask that you'd come especially close to us and that we would hear your voice through your word in a way that matters, in a way that changes us from the inside out. We're living in times when we desperately need to have your character in our hearts, Lord. We're asking what we prayed last week, that you would be born in us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm really excited this morning because we're going to be sharing with you an incredible Christmas miracle. You see, something happened yesterday. Somebody called me up in tears. And I came and I prayed with them. And I didn't think that I'd be feeling quite the way that I'm feeling this morning about that situation. But, but I'm going to share that with you. Actually, they're going to share that with you in just a moment. But to set that up, I want to ask you a question. What do you picture when you picture Bethlehem? What, what does it look like? You know, I, I just Googled some different images of what Bethlehem is like, what, what artists depicted as looking like. This is one of my favorites. Doesn't it look so beautiful? That bright light shining around Jesus. Those, those cute little lambs, they're laying right by Jesus' feet. It's, it's just a wonderful thing. You see the wise men are about to come in somehow at the same time as the shepherds. And it's just the doves are even watching. And maybe they're cooing a, a sweet little song. How about, how about this one? This is back in the 16th century. Um, a little bit different. You see that they're a little bit different dress. But they, I mean, these people are wearing elegant clothing. And, and Jesus is just exuding this incredibly bright light. How about this one? <laughs> All right, this is a little bit more traditional one. If you zoom in a little bit, there's halos around Joseph's head and Mary's head. And Jesus had to let us know. And of course, the animals, like the songs say, they're like bowing to baby Jesus. And they're just contemplating peacefully this amazing moment. Is this what, is this what Bethlehem was like? Or how about this, this photo that I found? Uh, this, this beautiful radiant light coming down. I like this one a lot because this one has some background music. You notice that this shepherd, he's playing his flute for the baby. And it's just this beautiful scene. And, and they're bringing some fruit and the cows are just so enthralled with Jesus. I love Bethlehem scenes. You know, this, this Christmas, the girls and I have been counting how many Bethlehems we can find. Did you know that not enough people put Bethlehem in their front yard? I would like for you to change that or else tell me that you already have it because I'm counting and I've only found 11 so far and we've gone on several Christmas light tours, right girls? And, and so far we've only found 11, but I wanted to show you the last one that we found. This was last night. We found at the Presbyterian church, this beautiful manger scene and we got to watch this program. In fact, you can watch it again. It happens tonight. I believe they have two programs tonight. You can see on the sign out front of the church. But again, there's this beautiful bright light. The hay is very clean. In fact, the donkey didn't even smell bad. And I'll tell you, I love looking at these scenes. In fact, Livy loves looking at these scenes. Here's a picture of us just excited by the wonder of it all. My girls have been sharing with Leah about it because she was here practicing for the music program. And they've been telling how incredible this was for them. And, and we should be excited about this. We should sing these incredible songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. But somehow, 
There's something a little bit different between that and the story that we read in the pages of Scripture. And I'm thankful for that because there's something different about that and what my life is like and what I know that a lot of your lives are like. Because the reality is that the first Christmas miracle took place under some crazy situations. I mean, think about why they ended up in this experience at all. Last week we talked about, uh, well, actually, think about the family history. If we were to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we were to look at the genealogy, we've gone through this before, and, and if you want to go through a more detailed look at this, you can look on our website at the audio sermons, and there's a birthday parties for harlots, and we went through this in detail, or you can just go to Leonard. Leonard likes to repeat this one. He knows it better than I do, this study from the Bible of Matthew chapter 1, right? But just a quick review, if you were to read through Matthew chapter 1, these are the types of things you'll find highlighted and emphasized in Jesus' genealogy. There's incest there. There's cultic prostitution, right? This is Jesus' family, and these are the things that are specifically highlighted. There's regular prostitution. There's a Canaanite in that lineage. There's a Moabite, which is where we find some more incest going on with Lot and his daughters. Uh, There's adultery. There's murder. This is King David's story. But not only that, you go on and you find these kings like Manasseh, and you find him having his own child passing through the fire. You find idolatry. They're placing these idols into God's temple itself and replacing God's altar. These are the forefathers of Jesus. This is the heredity that Jesus steps into as he comes as a baby in a manger after 4,000 years of sin. And so that little baby, he's got some family baggage. But not just that, he's got an unwed mother. He was conceived before his mom was married. And sure, there's that story about how he was conceived that I fully believe, but unfortunately, did everybody else believe it around them? Not so much. And Joseph thankfully had that vision from the angel or else he himself wouldn't have accepted Mary and have been there to be her guardian and she would have been out on her own. There's Government overreach. Was, it, was that in the story? There was a lot of that. Think about it. How did they manage to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem? It was that guy, Caesar Augustus, saying, you've got to go to your home city in order to be counted. Talk about overreach in your life. They're wanting to know where you are, who you are, and they're probably going to tax you because of that. An oppressive government has brought them to Bethlehem. And if that, as if that weren't bad enough, when they get there, they can't find a place to sleep. There's homelessness in the story. This, this is chaos. This is, is not the world that, that any of us wants to live in. This is not the story that we see when we look at this bright and beautiful manger scene. It's a smelly stable. Those of you who have been around cows or donkeys or, or, or horses, I'm imagining that it's smelly, but what else usually comes along with horses and the smell that comes along with that in cows? That's right, flies. I, I imagine that this, this might be a stable full of flies. Now, you know, when I had the first chance to see our little girls, it was in the operating room because Leah had a C-section with the twins. And I remember... They said, okay, you want to meet your little babies? I said, yeah, I'd like to meet them. And so I remember waltzing over to go meet them. And, and 
here are these assistants in the operating room who are like quickly trying to push me away. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. We've got to keep this a sterile environment. There's babies here and there's an open mother here. Like, let's be really careful here. Did you know that in the first century, infant mortality was about 538 babies died? No, sorry, 358 babies out of 1,000. 35% mortality. One in three babies didn't survive, let alone babies that were born in stinking stables. Things aren't looking good for baby Jesus when you read this story. Today, to give you an example, uh, it's about 5.6 in 2019, 5.6 out of 1,000 infant mortality. That's like a 0.5% infant mortality today compared to one in three babies. Now, Jesus is in a manger, but what is a manger? A manger is a feeding trough, and most of us don't know what feeding troughs are because we don't have cows and we don't have donkeys, so I want you to imagine your dog bowl or your cat bowl. And imagine your newborn baby and placing your newborn baby into your dog bowl or your cat bowl were it big enough to hold your baby. This is is not ideal. It's not the way we want life to go. It's chaos. And it's what God chose. The only person who ever chose the circumstances of his birth chose that situation to step into, to let you know that the mess of your life, the things that you're going through, the things you don't know how to handle, the things that are tearing you apart this morning, he's big enough for that. He'll carry you through all of that. This is more likely what Bethlehem looked like, dark, painful. But through it all, there's a Christmas miracle taking place. It probably didn't look quite like that. But not only that, who's the first one to get the news? <laughs> shepherds. Lowly shepherds who, who didn't do well enough in school to be able to arise to the level of another occupation. And so they're out shepherding sheep. What do they know? Apparently they know enough. Apparently they were the ones who were actually looking. And the amazing thing is... That the angels, who should be disappointed, I mean, here they, they probably went to Jerusalem and said, is anybody looking for Jesus in Jerusalem? Is anybody looking for Jesus? And all they can find is shepherds. But watch. Watch how they react. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That's euangelion. That's the good news, the gospel. I bring this news of victory to you, which will bring great joy to how many people? All people. It comes for shepherds. It comes for the Canaanites, the Moabites. It comes for absolutely everybody on the planet. This is not limited to anybody. The angels are saying, this is for you. This is for all of humanity. There is a gift for every single person, and that includes you this morning. You're part of all people. This includes you, no matter what you're going through this morning. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We need a Savior, don't we? That's what the picture of Bethlehem tells us. It tells us this world is a mess. It's in chaos. It's out of control. And what we need is somebody to step into the midst of that and to pull us out of it. We need a Savior. 
And then they say this, this will be the sign to you. I love this. This will be the sign. Just go home and get out a concordance and look up the word sign, especially look at it in the New Testament, but look at it in the Old Testament too. This is, this is how God is stepping in in a miraculous interposition into the midst of the human situation. Uh, to give you an example, the Gospel of John gives us these seven signs. And, and he tells us why he gives them to us. But to give you an example of what these signs are, the first one is the miracle of turning water into wine. That's a sign. Taking water and turning it into wine. You have the, the pool of Bethesda miracle. You have the, finally the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That's a sign. This will be the sign to you. And what's the purpose of signs? John goes on to tell us. And truly, Jesus did many other signs. This is John 20, verses 30 and 31. In the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But why did I write the signs that I did? John says, but these are written that you may what? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That, that you may come to trust in Jesus, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in his name. I write these signs to you because I want you to trust in who God is. Now, Luke actually goes on to tell us that at the, the temple dedication, another person tells us about the sign that is Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35 says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a what? A sign which will be spoken against. So John wrote signs with the express purpose of leading people to believe. But it was those very signs that led people to crucify Jesus. You see what's happening here? The signs are led, are, are there in order to enable people to believe. But sometimes they're spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, speaking specifically to Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Signs reveal what's in our own heart. And we go one direction or the other. We speak against it, or we recognize and we come to trust more fully in God. You see, the chaos of that manger scene, it, it reveals to us that we needed a Savior. And that Christmas miracle, that, that incredible Christmas miracle that was given 2,000 years ago, it gives us hope for what Jesus wants to do in our lives today. And I'd like to invite Sheila to come forward and share with us her Christmas miracle. You know, that word sign is sometimes, it's sometimes translated as miracle in the New Testament. Actually, a lot of times it's translated as miracle, and a lot of time, other times it's translated as signs. But I wanted to invite Sheila to come and share, because she's the one who gave me a call yesterday. And I'm just wanting her to share, because the things that she shared with my mom and I yesterday were super inspiring, and she's really gone through it. Um, and I hope that in her sharing her story, it can help us to have hope about the Christmas miracle that God wants to work in all of our lives. Happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm so blessed and fortunate to be here sharing with you today, and Wow. Um, I'll try to condense the last, I guess, year or so of my life. Uh, for those of you that don't know, 
June of 2020, I um, got really sick. I, I couldn't stop. I don't know how you want to put it, vomiting, throwing up, whatever. I went to the emergency room, and um, this had happened a couple of times before in the last like year or so prior to June of 2020, and I would just get these bouts of getting sick, and I couldn't understand why. Um, the doctors did a scan, and um, they found a mass on my ovary um, that was... I, if I recall correctly, 13 centimeters, um, which is the size of, I believe, like a large, uh, uh, like an orange, let's say. Um, anyways, it was pretty shocking. The emergency room doctor said that he felt that it was cancer. So I was in there my, by myself, and I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, went to... Um, my doctor the next day, my gynecologist, and um, they assured me that they felt that it was benign, that I had nothing to worry about. And because of COVID, um, it needed to come out, but because of COVID, it was considered an elective surgery. So I needed to wait. So fast forward to September 11th, my scheduled partial hysterectomy. Um, They took out the mass and I was feeling good with the reassurance that it was just a mass, it was benign, nothing to worry about. The day before my post-op appointment, I got a phone call from my doctor, and um, they proceeded to tell me that they were in shock, they hated to give me this news, but that the mass was, in fact, a cancer. Um, then I had a very rare form of ovarian cancer that only 5% of women with ovarian cancer get. Um, and there's actually not much known about the type of cancer that I have, but what they do know is that it's slow growing, which is a positive thing, but that it's highly malignant. So um, we had to speed everything up, and I had to go in for a second surgery, Um, They did a full hysterectomy on me, said that everything was looking good. Um, We were very thankful. Uh, I went through six months of chemotherapy. I just finished this past March. And um, just during that time, I mean, I, I was so thankful and blessed to have so many people family, friends, people I didn't even know, my church family praying for me, and I could feel all the prayers because I was expecting chemo to be so much worse than what it actually was, and it was nothing like what I had expected, and I just never really stopped my everyday life. I just kept, those of you that know me, we have nine dogs, we have chickens, we have goats, and, you know, um, my parents uh, live with us part-time, and um, I was just, I felt so blessed to be able to continue going on with my life. And um, so now fast forward to October, and um, we felt that I, I was starting to, I told my parents and my husband, Jeff, that I started feeling like um tired again, and I was having some pain. So I went to my 
uh, oncologist and explained it to him. And, and he said, you know, why don't we just do a scan of your chest, your abdomen, your pelvis? So we did that. October 13th, I got a text message from him and a phone call as well saying, good news, you're all clear, no signs of cancer. Praise God. Answered prayer. And um, so just with all of this, uh, this whole time, I had been thinking, you know, it's so true. Out of every horrible situation, there's something good that comes out of it. And um, I have some friends that aren't believers um, that have been sharing with me, crying to me through this time. You know, I wish I had your faith and how do you have so much faith when you've been stricken with these horrible things that have happened to you? And I've said, gosh, you know, um, well, let's look at it from a different point of view. You know, we, we caught my cancer at stage two. With ovarian cancer, it's usually much later. That's a blessing. Um, it's, it's a blessing that another friend of mine was stricken with um, breast cancer, and I've been able to be there for her and help her through it. What a blessing. So, so, so many blessings through this whole experience. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. So I thought, you know, when I turned 50, I want to have a colonoscopy. Well, life got busy, as we all know, and then there was COVID, and then there was my cancer and uh, chemo, and I had to wait. So I thought this year I'm 52. It's it's past that time. I really need to have this colonoscopy done. I had it done this past Monday. Now this is uh, December 13th, and remember October 13th is when I got my great news that I was cancer free. Well. I come out of my colonoscopy, and the doctor tells me, well, your endoscopy turned out well. Everything's good. Um, But uh, as we were doing your colonoscopy, we got towards the end, and we found a mass, a seven-centimeter mass. And I just couldn't believe it. I, I was thinking, I was blindsided, just I, the, the, the thoughts of how I felt the first time after my doctor told me, I, you have nothing to worry about this mass on your ovary, it's, it's nothing. And it turned out to be cancer. And I'm reflecting now, again, alone in a room, a hospital room, hearing those words again, you have a mass. And um, the doctor said, we don't... And I said, do you think it's cancer? And he said, it's a 50-50. And he said, you know, uh, um, it could be something else. But And in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I know it's cancer. The pathology report, from what I understood, it was by my liver. And, um, and that's a common place for ovarian cancer to travel. And so I just felt my world completely crumbling down. Wow, I can't even believe I'm not crying yet. <laughs> and um, so I um, shared it with my parents. I called Jeff and told him, and I was just brought to my knees once again. And I, 
I just was getting messages from friends, you know, just keep praying. All the prayers were going out, and I knew it. And But I was just thinking, how could this be happening again? Just two months ago, I got an all clear, and now this is happening? Why? I don't understand it. And I started thinking, you know, it's interesting what happens when your life is on the line. <laughs> and you start thinking, I start thinking I'm so blessed. I have such an amazing family. I'm blessed to have my parents living with us. Who's going to take care of them? It's an honor for them to be with us. What about my husband? such a blessing in my life I couldn't have asked for more and a husband my dogs my church family I start thinking there's so much more I want to do when you have your life given back to you after such a horrible experience and and I'm thinking there's so much more I want to share I I I want to do more for for people, people I know, people I don't know. I volunteer with animals every week. I mean, I just feel all these different callings. And I'm just thinking, this is just not right. And my sister, she texted me and she says, just just listen to songs of praise and worship. And, And I'm thinking, well, I'm reflecting back on my baptism. And I'm thinking one of the songs was It Is Well with my soul. And, and I'm thinking, well, what about when it's not well with my soul? It's not. It's not well with my soul. And I just cried out to God and said, Lord, just help me to trust you with this no matter what. It may be if this is my time. And I mean, I started talking to Jeff about okay well if you you know I don't want you to feel bad to remarry and I don't want you this and he's just I'm sure thinking you're okay and I remember him saying you're putting the cart before the horse here let's let's just take it a step at a time but I'm already planning my funeral and I just knew that I was literally on the floor on my knees bawling for God to take away whatever it was and to help me to trust him. And, you know, it's so easy to say and to think, but to actually do it is so, so difficult. And on top of that, the difficulty of that, then there's the difficulty of feeling guilty not trusting him, knowing that I'm disappointing him. So it was uh, Thursday afternoon. We're still waiting for the results. Nothing is coming in. And I remember walking the dogs in the backyard. And I'm thinking, and, and I'm just walking through the house. I had so many thoughts in my mind. And before I was outside, and I'm just thinking, just sing, just sing, praise him. And I'm just, I keep saying to myself, only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. 
I'm just singing. I surrender all. I'm just doing whatever I can. And I'm praying, Lord, just speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I cannot even explain this peace that came over me. It was amazing. I'll never, ever, ever forget that. And I just remember thinking, wow, God is really speaking to me. And all I kept hearing was, trust me, trust me, trust me. I shared that with Jeff. I shared that with my parents. Still fearful, though. It was coming in waves. The hardest time for me was waking up in the morning knowing that my life could soon be ending. So yesterday comes, and I went over to the um, the office uh, where I had my colonoscopy, signed some forms so that they could share my um, pathology report when it did come in with um, family members and and my oncologist. And um, I went in there signing forms, and the girl at the front desk, her name was Tracy, and she said, Sheila, I just want you to know that I had a dream about you this week. I don't know you, but you're going to be fine. And she said, don't worry. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Thanks. Thanks for the words of encouragement. And I walk out, got in the car, and something told me, go to church go see Pastor Zach. You need prayer. And that's what I did. I came here, and I pull up, and I said, wow, I'm always driving down 101, and I see his car, and now here I am, and there's no car. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm calling him. I called and just broke down, and I said, I need prayer. And within 10 minutes, he was here with his mom, Janet. We, I shared with them everything that was going through my mind. Again, sharing with them how I've just seen life so, so differently. And in the end, I remember just saying, sharing how my friends... I've been sharing about God and his love with them and how I just want to continue doing it. And I said, but if it takes my life to just plant the seed for God, to have salvation for someone, then I give it the same way Christ did for us. And I cried and we prayed. And um, after a lot of that, I was feeling stronger, so I left, and um, was driving to pick up a prescription for my dad at Walgreens, and I get a call from um, the doctor's office, and I'm thinking, oh, it's the pathology report, so I answer, no, it's Tracy calling. Tracy, the receptionist, and she said, Sheila, I just want you to know that your results haven't come in yet, but I'm praying for you. 
she doesn't know anything about me. She doesn't know if I'm a believer, what I believe in, you know, what I don't believe in. She said, I am praying for you. And again, I dreamt about you. And I shared it with my husband. And you are going to be okay. And she said, God is with you and he's strong. And you're going to be fine. I feel it. I said, thank you. And she said, as soon as we get any information, we'll call you. So I go, and I get to Walgreens, and I'm standing in line. And the phone rings. It's about an hour later. And, and I see that it's my doctor calling. And I think, oh, why couldn't I be home with my parents? Because all week they've been with me, just sitting, waiting for that phone call. And, you know, of course, it's like when you're dating and you're waiting for somebody to call you and the phone never rings. And so it was like the same thing. I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So, of course, when I'm somewhere with a lot of people and everything and by myself again to hear this horrible news I thought was coming my way. So I walk out and... And it's my doctor. And he says, Sheila, your pathology came in, and I'm bracing for the worst, knowing that I'm going to be just jumping in the car going home, crying. And he says, "Um, I want to share this good news with you that it came back and it doesn't show any signs of cancer. And I just burst out into tears, saying, Praise God, and thank you so much. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about you all week, and I've been pushing for this pathology to be done for you. And he said, you have a type of mass. It's a tubular villus adenoma. And he said, "Um, it does need to come out, so we'll schedule you for surgery. Um, But I have... And he said, I took a a small section of it, and it shows no sign. And he said, you know, of course, there's always that chance that there could be some cancer cells. And he said, but I have a good feeling about this. And he said, well, no more once it's removed. And, And I just said, thank you. And I just couldn't believe it. I just burst into tears, and of course I called Jeff, and I asked him to call my parents, and I was texting Pastor Zach and Leah and just everybody, and I told Leah, and I said, I just feel like shouting for joy and praising Jesus. I'm in Walgreens right now, and I said, I think they would call the cops on me if I started going crazy, and Leah said, yeah, who cares? Go for it. (laughs) So I was standing in line and waiting for my turn. I finally got up there, and I just couldn't contain myself. I just started bawling. And people started looking at me, and the pharmacist came up, and they're giving me tissues, and are you okay? And I just said, I've been battling ovarian cancer, and I just got the best news. It's a Christmas miracle for me. And um, there were people there that came over and hugged me, saying, God bless you, and we're going to be praying for you, people that I don't even know. And that's the other thing, is that when I was here yesterday with Pastor Zach and with Janet, and I was saying, 
I've just been asking God, please let this be another Christmas miracle. You've already given us one. Give me a Christmas miracle. Give my family a Christmas miracle. Let me be a tool for you. Let me just show others the love of you. Let it just flow through me. I don't want that to end. I want to just dedicate my life to you. And I guess the last part of it I'll share with you is I got a text last night. I mean, I had to I had to share with this uh, Tracy. Um, so I texted her last night because she had my phone number from the records. And she, uh, and that's how she called me yesterday. So I felt like I owed it to her. And I just wanted to say thank you. So I wrote, hi, Tracy. Sorry for the late text. Just wanted to let you know that my pathology came back benign. I'm so happy and thankful for your sweet words of care, support, and encouragement. It's not often to have someone we don't know reach out and extend so much love. You're a blessing. Wishing you a good night and a wonderful weekend. And she wrote back, Hey, Sheila, I am so happy, just like in my dream. I knew you were going to be okay. I will always keep you in my prayers. You will always have a friend in me whenever you need me. God crossed our paths for a reason. Have a beautiful night and always remember, you are stronger than you think. You are bigger than this. And I thought, how sweet, how amazing. This wasn't just a coincidence. God planned it all. And just reading it now where she says, I'm stronger and I'm bigger than this. And I think, I know what she means, but I'm not. But our God is. And so I'm so thankful for my Christmas miracle. I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful for my family. And I'm so thankful for the gift of of Christ, for God's love, for his mercy, his, his gift of salvation. And I know that my fight with this isn't over, but it's just not my fight. You know, God is fighting this right with me. So I just want to say I love you all and everyone who's been with me through this. It's been a rough last year in in different ways. Um, And if I haven't been in contact with you, you know, I had in my mind, I'm going to be sending out thank yous to everybody and this and that, and just life happens. But I just want to say how much I appreciate everyone in this room and how much I love you all. Thank you, Sheila. Praise God, huh? It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Thank you so much.
How many of you are going to continue praying for Sheila? <laughs> Amen. That's what a church family is all about, being there for each other. And that's the reality of Bethlehem. It tells us that God is with us. It doesn't tell us that we know what happens tomorrow, but it tells us that he's with us. That was the sign that was given. Isaiah 7 verse 14, we read it at the beginning. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's with Sheila. He's with you. No matter what you're going through, no matter how dark things look, things might look like Bethlehem to you right now. God's with you. He'll carry you through. That's why he chose to be born into that situation. Because he wanted you to know that he knows what you're going through and he will never leave you or forsake you. Let's keep looking and wondering at Bethlehem. Let's keep gazing and adoring the king who chose to be born in a manger. If that's your desire, I just want to invite you to stand with me in, in, in honor of this incredible God, a God who chose to be born in a manger for you, who chose to be forever united with humanity for you, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Father, we're standing. We're standing because you are worthy. We're standing because you have given us an infinite gift that we can only barely begin to understand. Oh, the wonder of it all, that you would come and be born. And not just to be born, but to choose the circumstances that you were born into. God, it gives us hope because we're in a dark world filled with many of the same exact circumstances. And we need your hope right now, Father. May we have the joy of the angels as we leave here. May we have great joy in our hearts knowing that victory is won. Jesus has accomplished it. We can trust in you, even though it still looks dark, even though we don't have the answers yet. We can trust in you. Father, thank you for this sign. Thank you for how it leads us to trust. Lord, pour out your spirit on my friends. Assure them that the Christmas miracle of Sheila has taken place in an amazing and beautiful way, but that the most grand and glorious gift and Christmas miracle that we will always remember is Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.